Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Jen Fontania, who is a speaker, a best-selling author of six books, a financial consulting coach, and someone who has worked with organizations such as the Walt Disney Company, Universal Studios, Warner Brothers, Costco, Target, Goodwill, and the U.S. Air Force ROTC. Jen uses her easygoing style to help her clients go from financial overwhelm to peace. We have so much to talk about here, Jen. Let's get right into this and welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. So let's start off with your description of your journey and your interest in the financial world because we all like money, but there's so (laughs) many ways that money can impact each of us individually, our families, our personal business, and so forth. So let's roll with this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before I got into the financial field, I was actually a graphic designer. Mm. So it was about 20. Yeah, it was about 20-something years ago, and I was sitting at my desk, and everything was great. I was making great income, and I just sat there thinking, you know, I'm collecting these checks, and it hit me. I realized I have no idea what I am doing with this money. I don't know how to invest. I don't know how I'm supposed to be managing it. The, the saving grace was that I was a good saver. So I knew how to do that part, you know, get the money, put it in the bank. But I knew there was something in my spirit telling me, I know it's not just this. And it didn't sit well. And so I went and just decided to, you know what, I, I, I really want to learn about this. Because if I even went to college, I am pretty educated, but I didn't learn anything about money and how to manage it. I know I can't be the only one that feels this way. And so I just didn't like that. And I I really realized that that was a moment where, you know what, I'm going to take this to the next step. And so I ended up getting licensed and I ended up, you know, doing investments and retirement plans and college saving plans, that kind of thing. And even insurance. And I was just, I just realized like, you know, if everybody feels confusion, there's a lot of that feeling of like, oh, it's daunting. And then we don't want to take a look at it because it's a, it's an area that most people don't get formal training in or we don't learn it in school and things like that. So I just really felt so compelled, like, okay, I want to help people and, and not only help people, but, but talk about money in a way where it made sense. It wasn't I think the other misconception is that we we hear things and it's like this jargon and it goes over our head and then it's like, oh my gosh, we just completely tune out, right? And so I was just so interested in helping people understand money and then when we understand it, then we're more compelled to do something about it in our financial future. I love that description. Why? Because you're absolutely right, Jen. When I was growing up, as for instance, my mom tried, you know, they try to like teach you what they know about money and they may or may not be good with their money. I saw my dad go through several different things in relation to his money um, and, and, and spending too much and running businesses and, and having great concepts, but the money aspect wasn't the greatest. And so they tried to teach you what they knew and that wasn't always 
the right way, so to speak, but they taught you what they could, right? And they taught you to open a checking account and to potentially save some of the money that you earn. And then you get into college and then all of a sudden, all these people are offering you credit cards and then you get home and you get into debt and you haven't managed your money effectively. So you mentioned so many things here about learning, modeling, you know, and then I think one really great thing you mentioned as well was understanding these concepts that are attached to money and those concepts that go over ahead. You'll watch the news and you'll watch the fiscal, you know, segments and you're thinking, what are they even talking about? So, <laughs> so I love that you mentioned that because seriously, sometimes I'm like, oh, what are they saying? <laughs> it's a different language. Yes. It, is. it really is. It really is a different language. So my question to you is money is so personal. So when you work with people, knowing that this is a, a personal and sensitive subject, how do you break through? How do you break down those walls with people? One of the things that I do when it comes to the money coaching aspect is I tell people, you know, it is money, but it is actually way more beyond the numbers. And one of the processes that I take people through is taking a look at their money history, their money bio. And what I mean by that is I have this exercise where the client will write out their entire history in relationship to money. It could go back as far as their childhood. And this is an exercise where, it, you know, for some people, it, it's, it's a great experience. And for some, it may not be because, they're, you know, depending on how you grew up, you know, you mentioned what did you learn from your dad? What did you learn from your mom? You know, your parents, that kind of thing. Right. And yeah, so it takes you back. And I have them right now. What is the earliest recollection and your experience with money that you can remember? And so in doing that process, what it enables the person to do is like, okay, what did I learn from my dad? You know, what, what experience did, it could be as simple as my mom took me to the store and I remember I wanted to get all this candy, but she only made me get one lollipop and told me that's all we can afford. It could be as simple as that. And so what ends up happening is we take a look at the history and then I locate the patterns that are showing up because these are talking about, these are dealing with the subconscious patterns that we're not aware of. These are the things that we're repeating throughout our, our adult life. And so I tell people, you know, we kind of have to start there. It's really good to sit back and find out what are some of the things that we've just been going through, but we're not realizing, my goodness, these are affecting, these are affecting our present day financial decisions. And so, you know, just going through a personal breakthrough in that aspect, it really starts to open up the doors where, okay, this is not me just you know, throwing a Google spreadsheet in front of you or an Excel file and telling you, fill it out, let's do a budget. Because I, I keep saying, if, if really, if that's all it took, imagine everybody could just do it, go online, download it, and, and there would be no need for, you know, budgeting lessons or, or, or establishing short-term, long-term goals when it comes to your finances. I really, and this is why I went into the coaching, because I really felt it was important for us to take a step back and find out what are those patterns that we've inherited because that's really a driving force and why, you know, I can't save, you know, people will say things like, I don't know why I keep spending money on friends and I can't even take care of my bills. I keep buying gifts or I don't know why I'm so afraid to invest because we haven't taken a step 
the steps to look at our history and to see where, where did those beliefs come from? And so, you know, that's to answer your question. That's how we started. I start from a very personal level where we're, we're let's just take a look at what's happened in life so far up and leading up to up until this point. Wow. And that is impressive. Why? Because I'll tell you, I, I'm a Adlerian, um, in my background of psychology. So I call myself an Adlerian, a humanist. And what we do as, mm-hmm. as humanists is we do this holistic assessment. And that's something that you're touching on. That's something that where we go back into your childhood and we draw from that and look at patterns and behaviors, such as what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so here it is. And this is exactly why it's so emotional because yes, those pat- patterns and behavior were developed very young. And there are attachments to those, those memories. There are attachments and emotions that come from those memories. So here you are doing therapy, <laughs> essentially, with your clients to break down those walls because you're touching on things that are really sensitive because there are stories behind those memories that are so meaningful. Absolutely, yes. So that's a tough job in that... Here you are, and maybe this is this is exactly the connection and why money is such a sensitive subject and why people you know do what they do with their money because it stems from these childhood memories. So interesting, interesting, interesting. I like it. So what would you say is the the most common issue people confront with money? I would say the most common issue is simply the lack of organization. I think we get so stuck in the busyness of life that we know that there's issues. We know that there's challenges or problems or things that need to be tackled, but there's a combination of things. I think it's the the fight against the busyness in life and not taking the time to stop. But then there's also that avoidance behavior where like, well, I don't really want to look at it. You know, I just, I know it's there. I, I was talking to somebody earlier and I gave this analogy. I said, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you need to go to the doctor and get that annual checkup, but you just don't want to go because you have this fear of like, I don't want to find out what's wrong with me. And it's kind of like the same thing. And I see this manifest in the form of, for example, when I would, there were clients I would meet with sometimes and they haven't opened up their statements. The envelopes are still sealed. These are the statements from their investments, their annual. Yes. It's like the, they just didn't want to look at it. And and it's, I've seen it. It's or there'd be policies stuck in the kitchen cabinet. And I'm like, that is not where you file these kind of documents. We need to get you a filing cabinet. And it's so, I think that's one of the things that, you know, when, when it comes to starting, it's, it's realizing, again, we come back to the idea that we weren't taught this. We, we are not taught, you know, and like you said, you're lucky. Summer, you're lucky that you even got a, you know, checking checkbook uh, lesson. A lot of people, I remember I had a, I had a classmate in college, college. And I remember we were all sitting around and we found out, I don't know how the conversation came up, but we found out that this one particular friend didn't even know how to write a check. And I'm thinking, what? And again, you know, it goes back to, I wonder why. Okay. And like you said earlier, it's probably because he never saw his, his parents do it. His parents maybe never taught him. 
Maybe he was never taken to the store when they went to go get groceries to see, you know, this is a, this is a time when people still prevalently wrote checks. Right. In the I know, right? <laughs> I know, now today, if you write a check, you're like, oh, come on, use your, use your card. <laughs> Do you feel like you're giving that side eye? I really, you're writing a check. <laughs> I'm there with you. I know what you mean. You're just like, oh, oh that's so old school. <laughs> so yes, back then he didn't know how to write a check. Wow. And so all these little lessons that you would think that, well, you should know, you should know this, you should know that, yeah. but we're never things. And so organization is something like, okay, we're, you know, whether you got this, benefit at work or you you participate in the 401k sometimes people even elect into certain things or they invest in certain things but even at that point they don't know how to organize those things it's just like uh what do i do with this now right. <laughs> so i get this for now what am i supposed to do with it am i supposed to file it am i supposed to look at it quarterly annually like what am i supposed to do and there's this still this feeling of this unorganization like okay i'm doing something but i'm it is at the at the end of the day what it what it comes down to there's still this feeling of i'm not quite sure if i'm doing what i'm supposed to do, be doing right. <laughs> this, right and it's like ah oh, this is what we need to this is what we need to address we need you to feel solid we need you to feel secure we need you to feel like no, I know what we're doing. I feel good. I can, I can honestly say I can sleep at night because I know exactly what we're doing and what we need to adjust if we need to. But it's this, it's that feeling that, that nebulous feeling of like, I'm not sure. And it's like, Oh, you really don't want to be saying those types of words when it comes to your money. Yeah. 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 That's for sure. I'm not sure. Maybe isn't the phrase that you want to be using with your money. So you're exactly. absolutely right about that. And you know, it's so beneficial to meet with somebody like you because you can kind of break down those walls and you can teach new skills and model new skills and you've got the construction to really help people out. And you're absolutely right, Jen. If people don't know, if they've never been exposed, if they, they just don't have an awareness, how are they really going to function with their money? How are they going to treat money? How are they going to talk about money? I mean, I know people who have said, I never have to balance a checkbook. I don't need to look at that. I know that there's money in there. And I'm like, oh, oh my how God. Do you, yes. How do you really We're know? I've heard that, that makes me so nervous, you know, because I'm still one of these people who looks online and uses a register, you know? So yes. I still write everything down to include looking online. So um, I'm just really strange about that. And that's because maybe that's what I was taught. So, yeah. and I don't know where you are with that in relation to writing things down and how people spend their money to see their spending habits, as you said, to look at patterns of behavior, so to speak, is really important. And then how do you, mm -hmm. as a coach, help somebody kind of, amend those patterns of behavior, so to speak. 
Yeah. So it's a lot of course correcting and adjusting. So especially if they've never, they've never done a spending plan or we don't like to use the B word budget. But we all know what it really is. And so I have them track their pattern. Okay. Let's take a look at what you're normally spending. I want you to track it so you can see those patterns because a lot of times people are not, they're just not aware. They're just, especially because we have credit cards and debit cards. Back in the day, we had physical exchange of cash. It was a lot different because you, it's, it's like this and you're, you're in psychology. So it's that physical and visual exchange of that money. You're seeing the physical money leaving your hands in exchange for the goods or services. But when you're just swiping and swiping, there's no, there's less of an attachment. So you're not as aware, right? You're not aware yeah. of, of their spending. And, and, you know, cause I'll hear clients say like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I, I already spent all the money and, I, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not getting paid for another two weeks. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. So it's, they've gotten way in over themselves. And so I have them. Okay. Let's, Let's let's look at what we're doing here. Let's let's start tracking what where's the money going? Because if you you have obviously no idea where it's going right now, we need you to look at and and write it down and and categorize it and see where the money is going. Because until you can really sit down and identify that, you haven't really assigned the dollars to where it needs to go. Because this goes into okay, well, what category is it? That way you can start seeing like, oh, okay, on average, you're spending this much in entertainment. Okay, you're spending this much on your meals or clothes or, or whatever the, the category is. And then it just kind of starts to give them this picture of like, okay, now I can see where the money's going. And this is what tells me where I need to adjust. Because sometimes people are like, well, I, you know, I'm, I don't have enough to pay some bills. And it's like, well, because you're not seeing where the money's going. So it's, it's really important for them to start with knowing the patterns and the behaviors that they're doing. So then you can course correct from there and, and then adjust accordingly. I mean, especially now with what's happening today with COVID as we're recording this is people really need to look at what is essential. You know, we've already identified essential worker or, you know, non-essential. Right. It's the same thing with expenses, right? You have to identify what is essential, obviously like food, medication, children's needs, and then what's not a, what's not a need, which is sometimes another issue because sometimes sometimes people confuse what is a need versus a want. And right. so it's really being real and honest with yourself and asking yourself, okay, I know I really, really want this. It's not a need. But, you know, everybody's in a different situation and they just need to evaluate what what their circumstances are for some people they're not as impacted for people who are in real dire straits it's, it's I, I have to just encourage them this is a temporary situation we hope but for now you really got to buckle down you got to buckle down with the expenses and get real and and you know it doesn't mean you have to give up on some of these things forever it just means we need to just course correct for now to get by because we don't know how long things are going to last. We don't know when some people are going to be able to get back to their jobs. We have to do what's going to just, you know, get you through these next couple of months. And that means you really might have to do some sacrificing. But this, the, the name of the game is keeping cash 
reserves as much as you can so that we can start to project what am I going to have left over after a few months. So it's just really tracking it. And it's not a behavior that a lot of people are, are used to. No, you've mentioned some really very important things here, Jen. And I'm going to go back and touch on a couple of those things because I think they're so important to rename and identify. And a couple of those things are wants versus need. I myself have said this before years ago, I would say, and it was common for me to say, I need that. I need that. And my husband once looked at me and he said, do you need that? Or do you want that? And now Mm. most of the time I usually say, I want that. And, and yet a need is something significantly different. A want is something significantly different. And I think that that distinction needs to be made. And those lists of absolute needs versus wants needs to be made. I think it's so important. So that's number one. Number two is, yes, there are people who are so impacted by what's happening today with COVID and um, the quarantine and loss of jobs and really having to look at their financial status. And that means rent, that means car payments, that means school loans. And there are people that you can call, right? There are people that you can say, hey, I need to, I need an adjustment on my minimum payment. I need an adjustment, particularly maybe on my rent or my car payment. And people need to know that they can call their banks. But they also need to know that at the end of the three months or six months, are they going to be responsible for six months worth of payments at, you know, with this, with the percentages that were once, you know, six months ago, or is there a new percentage rate? So, I mean, there are questions to be asked, but they can call and they can modify some of these payments or they can get these payments modified, so to speak, correct? Yes. Yes. And I, I think you, you mentioned something really important about contacting these people. If you are in a situation like that, absolutely. This is not the time to avoid it. The sooner, the better. Find out what your options are. Find out what is available to you. Talk to your lender. Talk to your landlord. Because if you just run and hide, and that even goes with your credit cards, like, that is not going to get you anywhere. You, re- you really need to reach out, find out what your options are, what's available to you. And then also, you know, talk to them about like, well, what does this look like after this grace period? Or what does this look like? What, understand what's coming down the road. Right. It might, you might get the response, but like Summer, you said, you know, what, what, now you're going to have six months due. Like, what is happening? Don't hide. This is the time for you to really, re- I know it's, it's like, oh, I don't want to face it. But this is a this is the time where you really need to lean into it and just face it. And that way, it's you, you at least you know what you're up against instead of you just having that thing in the back. You know how the, I, I use the analogy, that pebble in your shoe, you, you're kind of lazy. You don't want to unlace your shoe. You're like, I, I can deal with it. I'll just keep walking <laughs> at some right. point. Realize you need to just take that pebble out. And that's kind of like what's happening. Like you have to remove that pebble. You have to just address it before it gets worse. And that way you can plan properly. And the sooner that you can act on it, the better. Absolutely. The other thing I want to mention here as well is there's a couple things actually, and this is so intriguing to me. 
So people look at other people and they say, but they've got that car and they've got that house. And a lot of times, like television, media, they market to that. It's called lifestyle marketing. So they show these people, mm. they're working their jobs, and at the end of the day, they, they go to their beautiful home and their beautiful Mercedes-Benz and the blah, 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 blah. And that's great. Yeah, that's fabulous. But if you're working a job for $10 an hour, it's going to take some time to get that house, and it's going to take some time to get that Mercedes-Benz. And you can do it. It's just a matter of how you're managing your money. Yeah. So, with that said, it's just, where do you put the value? Where's your value, right? Where do you place value in relation to, do you want that house? Do you want that car? Do you want to be able to pay off your school loans? Do you want to? So where do you place your value? And what do you see? And this just gets my mind kind of racing. What do you see in relation to when you're working with people, those the percentage of those people living beyond their means? Oh my goodness. It's actually pretty high. I would say maybe 70, 80, 70, 80. And the reason why I will place it that high is because they, a lot of times they are not adequate because I, like we talked about holistic, I'm looking at the big picture, right? It's not, they're paying bills and that's good and they're paying their credit cards and then they have all this stuff because I, I go further. I look at, are you adequately funding your retirement? Right. And are you funding your insurance premium? Do you even have insurance? Do you even have a living trust and estate planning done? And then it's like, Oh wait, I don't have any of those things. Okay. Well that costs money. That costs money to, put into contributions that costs money to save away for your, your child's college that costs money to have adequate amount of insurance for and having the premiums to pay for. And so even though they may not be over leveraged or maybe they, you know, they, it doesn't look like they're all up in, up in credit card debt and, you know, above them, it's still, I, I look at the things that are missing and then, oh, wait a minute, you haven't factored these other things yet. You, you don't have all the pieces here yet. And then it becomes another, you know, quote unquote expense, even though it's not really like a, a expense, but I see that I see where they didn't realize that, oh my goodness, there's so many things, um, you know, missing, but, you know, going back to what you're talking about with needs and wants, sometimes I just have to, I, I mean, I have to have that hard conversation, like, okay, look, these things are not in place, but there's a lot of money going towards the cell phone bill. And I don't know, you know, do you use all the unlimited data? You know, do you use all this stuff? And it's like, and then I think, again, when people are so busy, they don't take the time to stop and do almost like an audit. They're yes. not doing an audit. Like, are you using that gym membership? Are you using that subscription? Absolutely. And people sometimes, right? And they don't want to, I don't want to say they don't want to. It might be, that might not might always be the case, but it's just like, I'll get to it. Oh, I know. I need to do that. I mean, we all do that. We all say that it's not, you know, nobody's not unique to that. We all say things like, okay, I know, I know I need to get to it, but we don't. But the longer that, right. We all say that, but the longer you allow that to happen, if you added up all the items and all the monthly fees that it's costing you compounded by how many years you're avoiding it, how much money is going out the door that you could have used towards other things. 
And when, you know, when you can paint that picture, you're just like, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, here's another example. How many people have storage units wasting hundreds of dollars every month? And that thing keeps going up. Oh, yeah. So I even tell people, right, if, if you're moving, get rid of the stuff now. Do not even go into that trap of getting a storage unit. Because trust me, you are not going to want to move that stuff again. Right. No, yeah. you make some fabulous, fabulous points here. So absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because this actually happened to me, my TV, right? So I, I let it go for months and I had a, um, you know, a TV subscription or whatever. And um, it was like $300 a month. And I'm thinking, do I really need that cable? Do I really need, you know, A, B, and C with that? Why am I paying this much? This seems ridiculously expensive. And I let it go and let it go because I was, I didn't have the time. I don't want to say I was completely lazy because I wasn't. I didn't have the time and I didn't want to sit down and do some research about what could I actually be getting for my money. If I needed two phone lines, my internet, and I didn't necessarily need all of these channels, you know, these thousands of channels because I really wasn't watching them. When was I going to make the time to sit down and look at my options? So I finally did. And I'm saving like a hundred dollars a month or $125 a month by canceling that cable component or part of, of my cable bill, which brought it down that much. And then I could get a subscription of like sling for $30 a month and I'm still saving a hundred dollars, you know, mm -hmm. so that's a hundred dollars a month that I'm saving over, you know, many months over a year, that's $1,200. Wow. So that's yep. significant. And it is. That, that's $1,200 you can invest. And going back to what you said in relation to something being, what did you say, an expense versus, and what I would call if somebody's like, well, that's just another expense. No, actually, your retirement <laughs> stuff is an investment. So, yes. And there's where I think sometimes we have to do a mind shift of it might be money right now going to something else but it's an investment yes so yes. you know and there's a lot of those kinds of things that we need to look at and i want to bring one other thing up and this is a really easy fix i think so i think many times on our phones we'll go and download an, an app right and many times yes. these apps they have an in-app purchase option and we oh, go and purchase, oh right right we go and purchase these in-app options and we purchase them and then we don't realize we've purchased like seven eight nine ten of these apps and we're getting charged every month mm, yes and so you you need to go back and check your phone and see what you purchased because you're getting either a charge every month or you're getting an annual fee and this is a simple fix if you don't use those apps you could be saving a lot of money oh my goodness I so agree, and I can relate to this because my uh, uh, my son he bought like this 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 game that he plays on the iPad, and I get that um, it was a one time purchase, thankfully. But you know, if he ever purchases anything, I see it, and I think about like, oh my goodness. So you know, I wanted to say this, but you know how when you buy those apps sometimes, or sometimes you get the free trial. I'm right. always leery of. I'm like, oh no, free trial. I mean, how many times do you forget to cancel that before it starts charging, right? Yes. I hate 
And then when you see that charge go through, you're like, dang it, I forgot to cancel it. <laughs> and so what I have done, I have to question, and this is the process I personally go through. If there is ever, because it's a lot of times like systems for business, you know, those are the kind of free trials I always end up like on. Mm, do I even want to try this new uh -huh. app, this new, right? right. And I'm like, uh, a 14-day trial. So if I really question, am I going to use this? Or is this going to be another toy I'm going to play with and not do anything? So if I end up going through that process and, and doing the free trial, I will immediately put in my calendar, yes, Google Calendar, I will put like, yes, okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. I will tell my two or three days, okay, cancel this. Do you, you know, be like that's it's two, two, three days from this point. That way I get the alert that, yeah. okay, it's in a charge. Okay, then at least you have, it's not like, dang it, you don't want to try to react to it after you see that charge go through and you're like, oh my gosh. And then I know people who don't, who don't do this. And then the next month goes on and it's like, I forgot to cancel it for the last three months. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my goodness, then just do it right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because seriously, yeah. I mean, even if it's 12, 99 cents a month and it's, you know, essentially $12 a year, that's $12 a year he's spending somewhere else. So it's all totally and I love the yeah. idea of the calendar because I do the same thing. I didn't used to, but then I clued in like, hey, if you're going to do this free trial, you need to set a date. You need to set a date on your calendar to cancel this if you're not going to use it. Yeah. And, and the same yeah. goes with those free trials on your TV. So if you want to try like HBO for a month and they give you like a, you know, a month, like a 30 day free, well then set again mm -hmm. set your calendar. And make sure that you know you're not going to be charged for something in 30 days. So yeah, these are all all very you know some of these things are really simple to do. It's like look at your apps, see how many apps you actually are carrying that have a fee. Do you need them? Set a date on your calendar. Look at your wants versus your needs. I mean, these are very practical things that you can do that might take just a little bit of time, but can save a lot of money. Yes, I agree. And I, I think it's just beautiful the way you said it. It's simple. It's simple to do, but not easy <laughs> because right. it does take time for you to consciously stop and be like, okay. And that's a whole other podcast for you. Time management. You know, and it, it's like exciting. It's not sexy. Like who wants to stop and like, you know, okay, let me, let me look at my expenses, but it's so necessary because I always say time is a, one of the only commodities that we cannot get back. And money is like something that we can replace we can grow it again. But the thing is every minute that we waste, not only are you wasting time, but you're wasting money. And so at some point you really just have to, okay, I'm going to dedicate, and this is the thing that, that gets me. It's like, if people had the same dedication to their favorite t TV show, that they could do it to their, the way they manage their money. Oh my goodness. So many people would be in such a much better place oh because God. I know people very diligent. Like, oh, my show is on. Oh my, yes. this is on. I have to, watch it. I mean, I see how people, I personally don't watch TV, but I mean, I see fanatics when the game of Thrones is on and those other TV shows. I'm like, Man, I know you all got some dedication in you, but you got to divert some of that, some of the other areas of your life and you'd be great. I mean, you know, so I know people have it within them. 
Oh, they do. And I love, I love that example because I've seen my cousins like, oh, we've got to watch The Bachelor. I've got to go to my friends. I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? I'm sitting here working me on my desk till like three in the morning. I'm like, you're watching The Bachelor. Okay, we all have our thing. I get it. I get it. But yeah, I mean, hey, that's your thing. Their thing. But you know what? You know they have it in them. You know they have that that time, energy, effort that they can put in and do simple things that can really like you know harvest a lot more for them. So and and also reaching those goals, whether they be retirement goals or immediately immediate fiscal goals they have the opportunity to do that now. And, and what better time than now to really get a handle on what can I do to make my money work for me? Yes, yes. So I wanna ask you, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about your books? Yes, so the last one that I uh, recently published, one is actually still with the editor, but that's coming out soon. But the, the, the one that I um, am most um, excited about is the one called Do Before I Do. And that book is about how do you as a couple, or, and it, it totally applies to if you're single, but how do you have the conversations about money that you probably haven't had? you know, in order to avoid fights and, and breakups and obviously divorce. And I, and I, I speak from a place of, you know, going through it myself. I, I was married and I did go through a divorce and I talk about all the things that I messed up. <laughs> so I'm definitely speaking from experience. And I, I joke also that it's like, <laughs> do, do what I say, don't do what I did. <laughs> and so, right. And it, it talks about the different areas where I think because I was a financial advisor, because I've been behind the scenes, and seeing what people go through. And, and you talked about how you see people owning these cars and they have these giant houses. And a lot of times when, when you're like on the outside, you don't see people behind the scenes. And I'm kind of like that right. doctor. I, I like health, health, uh, healthcare analogies because they're so relatable. It, it's like, I'm that doctor that like, you might see somebody looks healthy on the outside, but until you do their vitals, until you do the real lab test, you don't know what's really going on inside. And so when I was working with, uh, you know, couples and I've seen it over the years, I realized, my goodness, you know, again, going back to what we've been talking about since the beginning of this conversation, we don't even know what we should be talking about. And so a lot of people only focus on, oh, we're emotionally compatible, but have you stopped to wonder how financially compatible are we? Have we talked about our spending habits? Do we know what the other person's credit score is? Yes, those are important to know because sometimes going back to money mindset and how we've been raised, we've been taught, especially as women, we don't talk about money. You don't ask that. That's rude. But let me tell you in my own experience, and I talked about this in the book, For I'll give you an example. I was trying to close escrow on a house and you would, have, you would think that my, um, you know, we weren't married yet. We were, I was looking for this house and I, of course, I want to try to pre-qualify together and so stupid, you know, I was in my early 20s when this happened. I didn't even think about, oh, let's check her credit. Now, mine was fine, but my ex couldn't even buy a cardboard house. And so right then there, when I'm trying to pre-qualify for a home loan, I'm finding out at that moment that he can't go on this loan with me. And it's like the worst timing. And so this is why people will ask, you know, people will ask me like, well, when do I ask this? I'm like, if you are you know, in a serious relationship, you need to be having these conversations. And so 
in every chapter in the book, I have questions that you can ask each other. I mean, there's even questions about like, well, how do you feel about lending or borrowing money from friends and family? You know, I thought about all the questions that can cause fights between couples. You know, how, what's going to happen when your, you, your parents are elderly? Are you going to take them into your house? Who's going to be financially responsible if they happen to be in a position where they can't afford to take care of themselves? And so there's all these questions that couples really need to address so that they are thinking about it. So that's not, okay, let's be reactive. It's something that you've already talked about. It's something that at least it's on your radar and then you can properly prepare or at least start putting the steps into place to prepare for those things. Absolutely. I absolutely appreciate all the information you have given. I love that whole idea of let's be proactive versus reactive because proactive is so much more comfortable. It's when you get into a situation like going to buy a house like you did, I mean, and then having your credit checked and his credit checked and knowing he can't buy a cardboard home, you know, or a cardboard box, it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. And, and how does that yeah. make him feel? Then how does that impact the, the sale? How does that impact what you're going to do in your future together? So absolutely and that's just about being proactive so i love that you have this book that's relatable that has questions that it poses to the reader to think about whereas you're not caught in a situation where you're going to have to react you can actually be proactive about your financial situation what that means as a couple what how that's going to impact you down the road together and um great i really can appreciate that in a book and utilizing these skills to put in place to really nurture your financial future. So I love that. So Jim, let me ask you, and this is the last question I'm going to ask. So if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? I would say no matter what your situation is, I know right now for many people, it's a scary time. It's a time of uncertainty. But what I want to encourage you is to take a deep breath and just remind yourself that everything is fixable over time. Some of you may be worried about like, oh my my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know. My my finances are all messed up now or I was on track. It's, It's all screwed up now. Whatever it is that you're feeling. I know it's scary. I, I completely understand. I, and trust me, I have been there. But you also need to focus on knowing that everything is fixable over time. There are things that you can do to improve it. So do not, don't allow yourself to get so caught up in your failure. You're messed up. You, you really, I'm so, um, I, I just love talking about mindset. And I think this is so important for you to remind yourself that you can fix this. There will be a time where this is going to be fixed. There's going to be a time where you're going to get back on your feet. But this is also a time where you need to remind yourself you're doing the best that you can with what you have right now at this very moment. And you need to give yourself that grace and you need to give yourself that space and remind yourself because it's not going to do you any good to be having that negative self-talk and to be having that negative mindset. This is such a critical time for you to protect your mind and your thoughts so that you can overcome the, the obstacles that you're going through right now. So I just want to remind everybody and just leave those words of encouragement that just know 
that this too shall pass. I know you've probably all heard of that already, but that everything is fixable over time. I love those words of wisdom. And I want to add a little something to that. If you do need some help, reach out to Jen and you can ask her questions. And if you'd like to know more about Jen, please follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jen Money Coach. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 